You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at NOLA Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Monday, kicking off a week's worth of shows here on Locked On Pelicans, and we're doing it in a very, very good mood because the Pelicans have now won two straight with victories over the Miami Heat and Minnesota Timberwolves to kind of stabilize themselves a little bit in the standings. We'll recap both of those games here, talk a little bit about about the coronavirus and how it might impact the NBA because there's some wild stuff that might be going on. And frankly, the league's taking precautions, which they probably should, as well as look at a little bit of the injuries for New Orleans as well. We got an update on Nikhil Alexander-Walker that we weren't expecting, as well as J.J. Redick. And I want to talk a little bit about how that's impacted the team as well. So let's dive into it all in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So Friday night in the Smoothie King Center was a whole lot of fun as the Pelicans took on the Miami Heat. The at the time 40 and 22 in fourth place in the Western or in the Eastern Conference Miami Heat, a team that's been very very good this year has beaten the Bucks twice by the way and had beaten them on Monday. And the Pelicans upset them even though the Pelicans were kind of favored in this game. I'm still going to call it an upset. I think we all kind of agree with that. A 110-104 win over the Miami Heat. This one went a little bit like you kind of would have expected. Bam Adebayo on Zion Williamson. Miami playing a lot of zone, which is something they run a whole good bit and trying to collapse in the paint and take away Zion and his efficient scoring. And they were going to need to hit shots if they wanted to try and win this game. Well, it's a good thing because they went out and they did. 14 made threes, 37% from three in this game certainly is going to do it. And that was a great way for New Orleans to get going. And they were lights out for basically the first three quarters of this one before in the fourth quarter, things got a little bit dicey where for the first six minutes, New Orleans could not get anything going offensively. And then you saw them struggle defensively. But Brandon Ingram, who had been struggling all night, he finished four of 20 from the field, 20%, 12 total points, hit two big shots down the stretch a long mid-range jumper that kind of gave the Pelicans a three-point lead then he hit a three to give them even more breathing room late in the game that ultimately allowed them to win it's really great to see a guy who's been struggling shooting recently come up in those big moments and give himself a big mental boost and something that the team needed as well We needed Brandon Ingram to be the guy on this team, particularly closing games when Zion's going to be rendered fairly ineffective because they're keen in on him now. Bam Adebayo influences almost every defensive play when Zion had the ball, and the zone was going to leave wide-open perimeter shooters. So this was a way for the Pelicans not to play their best game. Shooting's been a bit of a rough stretch for him with J.J. Redick sidelined, and sometimes teams just go through cold stretches, and the Pelicans have. So for Brandon Ingram despite having an off game and he was getting wide open looks he was just kind of clanking them it was really kind of as simple as that I don't think it was amazing defense against him or anything like that to still know that I'm going to shoot I'm the guy on this team shows you a lot about his growth and kind of having that right mentality 
You don't want guys to shrink from the moment, and he certainly didn't in this game. It was great to see. It was a big and needed win for New Orleans, who's coming off a three-game losing streak in this one. So Zion failed to score above 20 points, 17 on the night, six rebounds for him, but he was seven of nine from the field. He did not shoot nearly as much because of that zone defense, because of Bam Adebayo, and the entirety of that Heat team just keen in on him. And it was the right thing to do. The Pelicans tried to force him the ball early on the first two possessions of the game. They tried to make lazy entry passes to him, and the Heat were ready for it, and they were swarming over him, and it turned into two quick turnovers for New Orleans. Not what you wanted, and then they adjusted and realized what they needed to do to go out and play and go out and win. And you saw the guards who were going to have tons of space to operate in this game with all of the defense focusing on Zion Williamson to really be able to operate. Drew Holiday, 20 points on the night, 6 of 6, 6 rebounds, 7 of 13, 3 of 5 from deep. He could get to the rim and score, and he realized when there was a little bit of space because a man, a help defender, was hugging a little too close to Zion and just slightly out of position, and he drove and he attacked, and he's so good at shielding the defender away from, from the ball by using his body that he was able to kind of scoop and score over a number of these guys. Lonzo Ball got in on the scoring action too. 16 points on the night, 8 assists, 9 rebounds. He's been phenomenal lately. He was 3 of 7 from deep, 6 of 12 overall. That 3-point shooting's key. The Heat left wide open three-point shooters to focus on that. So, you know, it's a 2-3 zone. you got two guys up top to kind of play on the perimeter and three guys more or less down low. You're going to have open shooters. And the way you make that zone break and pay is by nailing those outside shots. New Orleans did it in this one, and uh, Lonzo Ball was a big reason why. He's on a bit of a heater, by the way. You count the Minnesota Timberwolves game, which we'll talk about. He's got four straight games of three or more made threes. He's got a 7-3 game, another 7-3 game, a 3-3 game, and now a 4-3 game. That outside shot and that three-point shot falling, really big. And as much as you'd like to see him attack and drive and do all of that, at least the three-point shot's falling, and he can be a huge asset in the half court for New Orleans. He was very, very good in this game. Off the bench, you had Josh Hart with 19 points on the night, 12 rebounds for him. He was 6 of 12 from the field, 3 of 5 overall, and you had a number of guys making three. So this is exactly the type of game that you needed from the backcourt because they were going to have room to operate, and they did. They played smarter in this one. If you watch the attention that Zion was getting, watch these guys stay level with him or find the passing lanes and kind of get in on the outside of that. Zion was getting doubled and learned to kick the ball out right away. Draw the double, move the ball. Don't try and force anything. And the guards made it easy for him by providing very good outlet passes, whether that's staying level with him so he can kick it a little bit easier to the left or the right, or staying behind him so that there wouldn't be a defender in between him and the passing uh, and the man that they were trying to, he was trying to pass to. So overall, a very good performance from New Orleans in this one. Uh, and they did this without Brandon Ingram having a good game. Now, the Miami Heat probably look at this and go, what could have been? They only sh they shot under 30% from three. They're very good when they're making their threes. Their offense stalls a little bit when they don't do that. Um, but they struggled with that. Duncan Robinson had eight of their nine makes. Solomon Hill was the only other guy with a made three in this one. 
not great. Duncan Robinson, 24 points. Jimmy Butler, 28 points. Ingram struggled guarding him. Drew struggled guarding him. And Zion, when switched on him, struggled guarding him. But overall, they had the right plan offensively to how to take advantage of what Miami was doing. This was a well-prepared team that was up for this game. Needed that coming off the three-game losing streak. And now they've started a new streak on the more positive side. But before I get to the win over the Minnesota Timberwolves on Sunday, today's show is brought to you by Indeed. When you start your hiring process, you may have a few questions. Will you find good applicants to choose from? What about education and experience? And how will you know you've made the right hire? Well, Indeed is here to help. Millions of great candidates use Indeed every day to find their next opportunity. You can post a job in minutes and use screener questions to help create your shortlist of applicants incredibly fast. You can also add skills tests to your job post so that you can be confident in your applicant's abilities. They've got a library of over 50 skills and aptitude tests like critical thinking, accounting, or just general things in um, overall. Indeed gives you the smart tools to make hiring decisions quickly and to be confident that you're making the right hire for your team. Post your job today at indeed.com slash locked on. That's indeed.com slash locked on and get a free sponsored job upgrade on your first posting. It's indeed.com slash locked on. Terms and conditions apply offer valid through March 31st 2020. So Sunday's game against the Timberwolves was intriguing even before the Pelicans got to Minnesota. At practice on Saturday, he spoke, uh, Alvin Gentry, head coach, spoke a little bit about how they were planning to change the fourth quarter rotations to help this team in the clutch. Going into the Miami game, they'd basically been the worst team um, in the final five minutes of a game with a point differential, five points either way. So clutch time, crunch time, whatever you want to call it. And they needed to do something because they were losing a lot of games um, with this in mind. So Alvin Gentry said that they're going to kind of mix up the rotations a little bit to see if that gives them a little bit of energy and to be a little bit more efficient in terms of scoring in the fourth quarter. So if this game was close against the Minnesota Timberwolves, you're going to see a little bit of a difference in New Orleans and the rotations and maybe the play style because of that. The good news is you saw that it worked. The other good news is well, they didn't even really need to worry about this. The Pelicans won 120-107, a final score that doesn't even seem as close as it was. And frankly, if anything was keeping Minnesota in this one, it was the referees who were absolutely atrocious in this and really favoring the home team. But New Orleans was able to overcome that, and it's really nice to do a podcast where we're not being like, well, crap, the refs totally screwed us there. In this one, it was basically the normal Pelicans that you see, except really Drew Holiday stepping up impressively to the tune of 37 points on the night. Eight assists for him, nine rebounds, three of eight from deep, 13 of 20 overall. The Minnesota Timberwolves, who are not good at defense to begin with, had no answer for Holiday in this one. Driving to the rack, he got it. Open three, no problem. He's going to take it and he's going to make it. And to start the third quarter, he came out and hit two big threes that basically just kind of sent the Pelicans cruising. And that was after Minnesota had done a pretty decent job of trying to cut into the lead just 
a little bit. Flat out awesome in this one. And when he wants to take over and score like that, it just makes things so much easier for everyone else. Zion in this one, 23 points on the night, seven rebounds, including six defensive boards. He looks much stronger on the defensive side of the glass than he had been earlier in the year. He even made a three in route to nine of 15 shooting, four of six from the line, um, which isn't bad, not great, but at least not nearly as bad as some of the rest of the team uh, has been overall in the season and in this game. So very good to see him kind of bounce back to a much more efficient kind of scoring game than he had. Um, Minnesota really not a ton of answers for there other than trying to foul him and the refs not really calling it near as much as they should. Brandon Ingram still kind of in a weird bit of a funk but getting a little bit better in this one wasn't four of 20 shooting it was six of 12 which is good though it was 0 for two from deep 15 points on the night seven assists 12 rebounds three of five from the free throw line Derek favors chipped in nine points nine boards Lonzo ball stellar again 18 points eight assists five rebounds Four of eight from three. Again, I said this is three, four straight games with at least three made threes. If he's going to give that to you, one, Fred Vinson, who's the assistant coach on the Pelicans, who's been working with Lonzo Ball on his shooting all year, should win some sort of award or get massively paid, whether it's by the Pelicans or another team this offseason. Hopefully the Pelicans, because he has done an absolutely phenomenal job with Lonzo Ball and making him a credible threat from three. At one point in this game, you saw teams going over screens to guard Lonzo Ball. That is something I never would have thought I would say in the, like the history, I don't know, ever. Teams and, uh, and players never respected his three-point shot. Heck, go back to a game last year where he went like 3 of thir uh, 15 against the Pelicans because they just left him wide open on the perimeter. Now teams aren't leaving him wide open on the perimeter. And what does that tell you? That's how good he's been playing and how impressive he's been in the work Fred Vincent has done with him in this one. He was great. 7 of 13 overall in this one. Nicolo Melli off the bench giving you some really big first half minutes. Uh, he had 11 points on the night, 4 assists. But it, and, you know, and that's kind of the story here. You had the first quarter really dominated by Ingram and Zion. And then Drew Holiday decided to take over the final three. And this team cruised. It's kind of as simple as that. There's some negatives in this game, but the Timberwolves are not, you know, that good that you can still get the victory. And at the end of the day, I think that's kind of what you're trying to do. Now, the turnovers are a problem, certainly. Pelicans had 25 on the night, turning into 30 turnover points for the Minnesota Timberwolves. It's been a bit of an issue all season long. The Pelicans average per game. Um, they average, sorry, 16.1 turnovers. That's 28th in the league. They turn the ball over 13.6% of their time on offense. That's 25th worst in the league. So they're bottom five, bottom six on all of this. Something they want to kind of get fixed. They need to get fixed. But some of the guys that you're seeing turning the ball over, it just kind of makes a little bit of sense. Zion had three. Lonzo Ball had seven. Uh, Brandon Ingram had five. These are all guys who have the ball in their hands and are kind of high usage. In a weird way, at least in, Lonzo, in terms of Lonzo Ball touching the ball on so many possessions in multiple times that if you got the ball a lot, you're bound to turn it over more than a guy who doesn't. It's a bit concerning, and Alvin Gentry was fired up at his team after the game in not a good way. 
didn't hurt them against the Minnesota Timberwolves, but yeah, this is something that we've seen has caused losses that they shouldn't have had throughout the year. The other issue, and this has been something we all know, is free throw shooting. 67, 68% from the foul line on the night. They were 21 of 31. That's not going to do it. You're leaving a lot of points out there by missed free throws and by turning the ball over very, very bad. They need to fix this, but it's also the sign of a young team. It's the sign of a team that's still kind of learning how to play together exactly, though they're getting much better at that. And it's just kind of one of those things. If this is an issue next season, yeah, we're going to need to talk a lot more about it. I see it a bit as kind of growing with them right now and kind of guys adjusting to new roles. But Lonzo certainly would like to drop that a couple of ticks. Same with Brandon Ingram. And as Ingram gets a little bit more efficient, I think that'll be okay. You can almost live with with Lonzo doing it with the way he's playing in terms of dishing the ball and moving the rock and different things like that. So I think it's somewhat okay there, but you'd like to get those numbers down. But overall, yeah, this was just kind of easy for New Orleans in this one. Malik Beasley, who tore New Orleans up on Tuesday, 21 points on the night. D'Angelo Russell, 19. And like, yeah, that's just kind of it. They were 8 of 33 from deep, just under uh, a little bit over 24% from there. They shot under 40% from the field overall. New Orleans just kind of cruised in this one, as they should have. This is not a team that's better than them. So... This is what you wanted to see. They were ready for this one, especially after a big win over the Miami Heat and then a practice. This could be a bit of a letdown. Did not make it that. I'm happy to see that they seem mentally right where they need to be at the moment. So some updates on other things around the league and with the team and the injury to Nikhil Alexander-Walker. But before I do that, don't forget, subscribe to Locked on Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from. Tell a friend about the show and leave a five-star review with a quick comment. Helps keep this free in five days a week for you. It also only takes about 30 seconds of your time. Please, I don't ask for much. Uh, So subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. So we were treated to a surprise injury update for your New Orleans Pelicans, which usually is something to like kind of dread when that email from the Pelicans PR team hits my inbox. This one, not great, but not horrible. They announced that Nikhil Alexander-Walker is out indefinitely with a right wrist hairline fracture. He had some discomfort during practice on Thursday, underwent an MRI, and that revealed the fracture. May have happened in a G League game, not entirely sure exactly when this occurred, but he's going to be out for a, a little bit till this kind of heals. He wasn't playing anyway. He'd been going down to the G League, so I don't think this is as impactful as it could be for New Orleans, luckily, because that's not what you want when you're just trying to get into the playoffs right now. So overall, I think it's okay. No big deal. He's still going to be with the team. He's still going to be doing things. And I think at the end of the day, that's really what you want them uh, to kind of do. So no big deal there. The big injury they're still dealing with is J.J. Redick, who's been ruled out for this road trip and is not what you want to see. So this is a guy who obviously brings a lot to the team. We know all of the off-court stuff. We know the three-point shooting. The issue is the team has not shot particularly well over these past couple of games, and you can definitely see that a bit as a 
um, is attributable to him. Having a guy who can go out there and kind of bend a defense, I think, has been really big. And you're starting to see this team at times struggle with their shots falling, at least consistently. And I think that is a big concern. Hopefully he can come back sooner rather than later. Kenrich Williams is not being listed as out anymore, by the way. I don't know if he's going to have an impact either way for the remainder of the season, even if he even if he is healthy, he could not hit a shot to like save his life, open threes or anything like that over the past couple of games before he went out with this injury. So I wouldn't, I don't think that matters. Plus Josh Hart's like a better version of him anyway. So overall, no big deal, I think, from the injury front from Nikhil or from Kendrick Williams, but we definitely want to see J.J. Redick coming back sooner rather than later, particularly if Brandon Ingram doesn't have that outside shot falling. You've got Lonzo Ball kind of carrying the weight in the meantime, but is that that going to keep up to this degree, to this degree, over the long haul still remains to be seen. So getting J.J. Redick back would certainly be a big thing. That's a lot of points off the bench that are kind of getting left out there right now and leaves that team a little bit thinner. Other things to note around the NBA is their concern over the coronavirus. And you're starting to see some leaked memos, things like that, saying that all teams need to have kind of a plan in place of what they're going to do if the NBA decides that they're not going to let fans into the arena to watch games, which sounds like a very realistic possibility depending on how things go. And I'm not a doctor. I don't work for the CDC. I'm not an infectious disease expert or anything like that. But I get that you're starting to see a precedent of big conventions, big conferences, South by Southwest being the biggest one, canceling over concerns around this and the fact that the disease could spread pretty rapidly amongst a lot of people in a very small enclosed space like an NBA arena. So now that there's a precedent being set that, hey, we are not having these events, it might move on towards the NBA for them to start doing the same. And we'll see how it goes. I don't think we're quite there yet, but it'll be interesting to see how that impacts the league, impacts the team, the playoff race, all of that. Um, in Italy, where the outbreak is kind of is pretty severe at this point, all Serie A matches are being played behind closed doors, and it sounds like they're just going to suspend the league at some point potentially soon too. So all of these things are worth keeping in mind and kind of having an eye on because we're hitting a little bit of uncharted territory here. And so I don't think we need to worry about it just yet, but kind of soon it seems like this is going to be at the forefront of everything. So it's interesting to see how the NBA is doing this. They've always been a little bit more progressive, willing to kind of take some risks there, and maybe they're just going to play it safe and make sure no one is in the arena whatsoever. All right, so that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. And now, do me a favor, tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Hollinger and Duncan, only available as part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You get a former NBA front office executive in John Hollinger, also the creator of PER, and Nate Duncan, one of the best podcasters out there, talking all sorts of in-depth topics you want to hear about the NBA. You can't get it anywhere else. So Hollinger and Duncan, wherever you get your podcast from. 